got it. All right, good morning. I am Brad, the lead pastor here at Stanley Park Community Church. And today's my last sermon before I go on a paternity leave. Eh? That came up really quick. Uh, so, yeah, it actually flew by. Uh, I started chatting with uh, Ian when he was our board chair in the summer. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like it's forever away. Well, here we are. <laughs> so that's, it's been a ride. As you guys may also know, if you were part of our prayer list, uh, this last month has not been at all the way we planned. Uh, for Katie and myself, I had a concussion. I say it's gone. I'm at 99% least. And then I had a few people already this morning say, Brad, were you ever at 100%? And you know what? Yeah, you guys are right. So I really, you know, I'm probably about 50%. And so we're rolling with that. Um, but yeah, we also had uh, a report this last week, which was great. We've been waiting like two and a half weeks on a test result uh, for Katie and the baby to see what, where we're at, what's going on, what that means. And we finally got the report that we don't have the condition that we were concerned about. And so that's just praising God on that. Uh, thank you guys for prayer. Thank you for being a part of the story. Um, so yeah, we are heading into the home stretch of, of baby life. <laughs> I, let's be honest, the starting stretch of baby life, as I hear, it's a little bit of work when a baby shows up. Um, but yeah, we are really excited about all that God has been doing in the last few weeks, and we're encouraged by that. Uh, since I am now talking about a baby, let's segue to a much more important baby, baby Jesus. All right, this Christmas series, we are heading towards the birth of Jesus, a historical moment where God moved into the neighborhood, as Eugene Peterson puts it, where the, the creator dwells with that which he created. Many of us know this as Christmas. The season, for so many reasons, can get focused on all kinds of things. Right, last Friday was Black Friday. Tomorrow is Cyber Monday. And some of you guys already have the idea of what you're getting tomorrow, right? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, we can get focused on so many different things. It's not wrong, I'm going to even say that. Like, but we just got to name the reality that there's a lot of things vying for our attention. And so what we want to do is take this time to slow down, to pause, and to be present. Because once again, there's so many energies trying to take us in different directions. So I was in Niagara Falls. Uh, you may have seen my, my Instagram feed because I've got at least four of you as friends. And on Friday, it was Black Friday, as I'm in the hotel room, I come out through the elevator and I see two carts full of TVs. There's people with them, so I didn't get a TV. But I see these carts and there's like eight, eight TVs between these two carts and there's this, this uh, mom and daughter, daughter duo, this, this two ladies there with the carts. And I say to them, you guys must really like TV. I go sort out my card kind of thing, and a, the one takes the elevator up, the other one's sitting behind, like, honestly, I gotta ask, like, what are you gonna do with all these TVs? And it was a daughter that was with it, so she's like, well, my kids broke a TV, so I'm like, they threw something at it, kids do that, and I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. What about like, the other seven? Well, you know, you know those moments. My mom was with me and saw how great of a deal this was and is giving these out as Christmas gifts this year. So where I come from, that's not quite a stocking stuffer, right? Like, hey, I wonder what's in my sock. Oh, it's a big TV. <laughs> like, we can get caught up in the moment of, of just what's before us, right? The, oh, look at the deal. I want to move on. I got to purchase it. So, like, Best Buy did a great job. That's where they got it from. They might be a deal still left for you, but likely they're already all sold. 
right? So th these, these TVs were something that they could act on, and still a great way to bless. I tried joining that family, didn't work out, I'm not getting a TV. But once again, we, we sit in a culture where everything becomes urgent, right? Like if you have been watching the news, you're like, oh, it's urgent. If you open up an app, it's urgent. If you get an email, it's urgent. Everything needs your attention now. And so as we enter into this, this season, we kind of carry that tension of how much we have to get done now. Because there's only how many more days till Christmas? Four weeks, 20, 28, right? We, who's stressed by that already? Because you got your festivities, you got your fun, you got your family, you got all the things that you need to do in the next few days. With that being said, we can miss the entire reason why we're gathering, why we are coming to the season at all. And it's because of God. Because of that very first Noel, the evening where God entered into creation. Right? All of history drove towards that moment. And so we want to take time to reflect on God's call in this season of come and see. Right? It's, it's not just about the festivities, while festivities are fun. It's not just about family, while family is important. It's not just about things, but we, we do like things. And not all of this is wrong. But if we miss the very reason, I think all the other things that we go into actually are missing something. So today, we are going to be looking at the story of foretelling of baby Jesus. It's in Luke 1. Uh, 26 to 38. If you want to open up a Bible, open up your app, we're going to be reading out of the text, and there's a few things I'd like to unpack in the time that we are together. Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary, Mary was greatly troubled by his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and, he will be called, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Verse 34, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is, now, or is going to have a child in her old age. And she will go, uh, she who has said to be un, unable to conceive in her six months. For no words from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May your word be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So in this passage, I want to unpack a few things. The first one is settling of Mary. Right, we, we see this story here where Mary is standing before an angel. And in Luke, as we looked at last week and this week, we've already seen an angel show up twice. So like, if you were just to read the first bit of the Bible, you think angel appearances happen all the time. This is not that, it's not, no, it's not that common. This is a big thing that is happening that an angel has appeared twice at the start 
of the gospel. So Mary, who doesn't expect angels regularly just to show up, is surprised. She's caught off guard. Right? And, and in this, it's, the angel says, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. So back in Niagara, Friday night, I was actually sitting down having dinner, and I ended up chatting with somebody who asked what I'm doing here. And I said, oh, I'm here for a conference. What sort of conference is the next question? Oh, a pastor's conference. The answer was, oh, you're going to love me. I'm a full-on atheist. Right? So I'm, I'm sitting here now chatting with an, an atheist person. And what was interesting as the conversation went is that her, her entire atheism is not based out of not liking God or that God has done something to her or the opposition of who God is. It was actually the church. She is an atheist because of her experience with God's people. For her and her story and her, her existence, it was all about hypocrisy and judgment. She actually was taking her grandfather, who absolutely believes in this sort of stuff, to church because her grandmother, who her grandmother and grandfather were the ones that raised her, uh, had passed and he was still loving to go to church. So she, out of all the grandkids, the atheist would drive her grandfather to church to sit with him, to allow him to experience what he needs to experience. She was serving him, but she felt, and time and time again, she was, uh, she was seeing the story of the people judging her. Her, her comment to me was saying, I went to church with him every week, and not once did I catch on fire. Not once did I burst into flames. Right? Good, because that, that would be terrible for our insurance. Right? You are welcome here if you do not believe yet. But her story was of judgment and people looking on her and trying to conform her lifestyle or shape her differently when she didn't even believe. And so this misconception we can we can paint on other people that God just wants you to burn or that God is against you unless you just finally pray. We can send this message out to people and they don't get to hear God's true heart to love them, to know them, to be with them. They can miss that because of the way that we approach these stories. And so when we hear that she was, Mary was afraid, it's not because God isn't scary it isn't because God isn't holy and righteous and that there isn't judgment. Her first response when she sees God is going to be the same of all of ours, is wonder and fear. Period. God is a righteous being. And we are found in lack. Every one of us. But if you listen long enough to what God is doing and what God says, you see that God is bringing peace. God is bringing love. He's bringing grace. And while he is still just, and there is judgment, it also seems that every time you look in Scripture, where does the judgment start? To those closest to God, not those furthest away. God beckons, he calls all people to him. And when we get this mixed up, we leave people out. Like my new atheist friend, who was in the midst of God's people and was pushed away. I don't think God's done with her story, I can tell you that much. She found it quite interesting that I was there. She found it quite interesting, a few other incidences of what God had been doing in her life leading up to our conversation. I don't know where it goes either, because I don't live in Niagara. I didn't even know a church to recommend. But in that moment, I got to do one thing. I got to apologize to her. I got to say, you know what? 
that's not God's heart for you. And I'm sorry for the brokenness that's in the church. It's there. I know it. I'm part of it. You guys are part of it. But I got to apologize. And she said, what for? I said, I am a religious leader. I am part of the system that you have been hurt by and you've been pushed away from God from. And so here we see that in this moment for Mary, she knows God's righteousness. She's standing before an angel and she has fear. But the angel says, do not be afraid. And so I don't know if that's for you today or if that's for one of your friends or somebody that you come across. It's not that, yes, God is holy and righteous and there is sin. There is things that God is not for in every one of our lives. But the answer isn't pushing people away from God. The answer is calling them to him, saying, come and see his love, his mercy, his grace. And so we see this is who God is. And his angels know that this is a message that they bring. There's good news coming. What we also see in this passage is that God is unorthodox. God likes to be outside of the box. Have you ever watched the internet trends of baby announcements? No? Yeah? Uh, I like watching the failed ones. Those are great. Uh, where like it's a yellow thing that's released. In the, like, what, what are we having? I don't know. Or like the, the thing shoots backwards and gets the guy in the crotch. Like there's all kinds of really funny videos of it going terribly awry. But it gets to the heart of what this is. When, when you have good news, when you're excited as a family, or when a baby is born like Mel and Jared have, like we get excited. There's something to be told. And so you gather all your friends and you swing at a ball, it's going to explode into a color. Or you have like a balloon release thing. There's something big. And yet, when it comes to the biggest news of the best baby ever, we don't have fireworks in the skies here. We have an angel in a quiet room with a young girl. Right, there's, there's confusion now, is, is that what comes out of this moment? Right, we have the, the tension from this baby's announcement that, Mary, you will have a child. Right, it's a huge thrill to a family when there's an announcement. It's a huge thrill to a community when you find out that there's a baby coming into the mix. It's a huge thrill to all of us around, and that's why we have these videos and why they're so viral and why so many people want to have one, because there's such great excitement. But this announcement to Mary doesn't come with that kind of show. It comes in a private spot, very different than what we looked at last week, where John the Baptist's announcement was inside the temple by, yet again, the angel. And there's people waiting outside. And then there's going to be a big to-do, like, oh, he saw something inside the temple. What is it? What is it? He can't talk. Oh, the excitement. What is he going to say when he gets to say something? Oh, they seem to be having a child. She was barren. This is so exciting. Community, get together. We're so excited. There's a lot to do about John the Baptist. And here we have, alone and betrothed, in verse 27, a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant, and she was a virgin. Right? There's a tension here. Is you have this couple last week we looked at who were carrying shame and guilt, not because of their own thing, but because of culturally put on them, that you do not have a baby because of your sins, is what you would have felt or what you would have heard or would have been the, the question mark underneath all of this. And then, oh, nope, they are righteous. We know they're righteous because they are having a baby now. God took them out of these people that society had a stigma from and, and moved them into a spot of, you can say, wow, they are blessed. But then you look at this, and if you know, you may not know, that in this context, virginity was huge. It was like the thing for women. 
And in this moment, a virgin is going to give birth. Well, I've taken biology class, and I tell you, that doesn't work, right? So the community who didn't take the class, I know, but they, they've, they've been noticing that there's a trend between when you have a baby and what happens before. So in one context, you have a stigma being re removed. And now in this context, to, to Mary and Joseph, a stigma added, right? They are called blessed by God, heavily favored. But if you juxtapose these two stories, there's going to be questions. Is Mary really a virgin? Right? There's going to be questions like, yeah, they're betrothed, but uh, is it Joseph's kid? There's going to be questions on like, oh, well, if, it, if Joseph being the righteous man, then who is the father? Right? The little conversations that happen in the back alleys of, of the little town. Right? Mary is so blessed and favored by God but in this unorthodox way, she is now going to be living with a stigma. You try to convince people that you are still a virgin while having a child. You try to convince people that it wasn't Joseph. Joseph is a good man and he didn't do this to her. Or that it's not somebody else. And she carries this to term. She carries this child of God all the way. And I think one of the things is, is beautiful is to identify that even though the people around her would have question marks on every one of these moments, she knew that she was heavily favored by God. That she had an experience with God and knows that this, while unorthodox and challenging, is okay. That God is moving in an amazing way. So yes, there's this messy announcement because somebody's going to find out. In nine months of at least awkward, and I bet you it carried on where people always had the question, is this really the, the son of God? Is this really a child for a virgin? And I think if we camp out here, we, we get to see that God's favor doesn't always make it simple. doesn't make it easy. Right? One family gets to have joy of shame being removed. Another family gets to have joy and shame being added. God's favor is complicated. If we look at the story of God's people, we see time and time again that this tension happens over and over and over again. And I, th I think one of the great examples, there's many if you were to read through the scriptures, is a guy named Saul, who eventually gets called Paul. It says in Acts 9, uh, 15 to 18, 19 there, 15 to 19, this passage, in, in a time of his conversion. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Right? Saul's conversion to Paul, this change and all this thing, wasn't, and I'm going to get him on every billboard and he's going to love his life and everything's going to be easy and simple. God says he is chosen. God is for him. Paul, of all people, goes on about God's grace and, and the beauty of God's love and all the complexities. He's a great theologian. And the words he gets is, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. See, God's ways aren't always easy. They aren't always simple, but they're always right. right? God had a special thing for Paul, that he wanted to work through him and in him and to creation. Many of our early church fathers and mothers and sisters and brothers know the complexity of suffering of living out the kingdom of God in a context where it is not easy. 
where everybody sees you as this divergent rogue Jewish sect or this subversive empire trying to stop us from spending our money in Rome or whatever it is, trying to care for the poor, leave the poor outside, be rich. Whatever it is, a subversive thing we know in barter stories of people that were chased out of town or people that were um, persecuted, that God's good news and his favor in our life comes with complications. Sometimes it's coming from a complication to God's glory in the moment when John the Baptist is announced. Other times it's coming from being like the prized of a culture, of the virginity of Mary, to be like, oh, is she? But what we see is that God's movement does come with a cost. Right? It's not always simple. It's not always easy. It's not always what we want it to be. And yet, that cost is not the true cost. Right? For us to be in relationship to God, there is a price to be paid. But we aren't the ones that pay it. We actually have a small baby child that comes from Mary who grows up to be the one that reconciles us to God. The one that sees our sins and washes them off to allow us to be in relationship with God. But this relationship lived out in a broken world that wants anything but God's glory. It wants death, destruction, chaos, and distraction. It comes with a cost. The cost is the death, distraction, chaos that's in our lives, the lives of others. We get so comfortable living in the ways of the world that it will cost us that to follow Jesus. Right? Count the cost to follow Jesus. There's a much bigger price that has already been paid. It's free admission to God and his kingdom. But if you're going to go God's way, you're going to leave behind something. And that's the importance also to hold in all that we are doing, is that if you are comfortable, complacent, if you think that every day is just another beautiful day, you may not be catching the cost that you are being called to pay as well. It doesn't mean that every moment is a suffering moment. It doesn't mean every moment doesn't have sunshine. But there is a tension in every one of our lives that God is taking root in of the way that the world is. It doesn't mean you don't buy TVs on Black Friday, but maybe you consider, I don't need to buy this many TVs. Maybe you do. Maybe God is actually saying, buy seven or eight TVs and give them away, because that's his generous movement. And it's not about your bank account. Or maybe it's the hard work that you have to put into whatever God is calling. There is a cost to following Christ. But the beauty is that that cost comes out of what God has done, the greater thing. The, the debt that we could never, ever pay has been paid. The kingdom that should not be amongst us has entered into creation. The moments where we should be looking before God in fear because we know how great and righteous he is, he says, do not be afraid. Love, peace, joy, and hope has entered into the chaotic creation that we live. And so we get to respond. And it might be a stigma. Maybe that's the cost for you, is that as you follow Jesus, you do things a different way. Maybe it's in your job. There's something that you've always known was shady, and it's going to cost you your promotion. Maybe it's in your family, the way that you, as a culture, have to do something, and you say, you know what, this is not in my household. Maybe it's in the way you are entertained. You choose not to watch, and you are now missing out in a conversation of the newest trend of whatever the thing is. I don't know what the cost is, but there is a cost, and let's just name that. However, we look to God, who loves us, 
And we know that his desire is to bless, abundantly bless. He wants to bless those around us and bless those through us. He wants to bless all of creation. He wants to bless every nation. He wants to bless every child, every mother, and every father. He wants to bless every sister and brother. He wants to be there and bless every broken person, every hurting person. He wants to be present to the lonely, to the lost, to the confused. God wants to enter into creation, and it's often messy and awkward, but in there, there's still a blessing. Right, to this average girl, a faithful girl, God met her through an angel with a message that he is doing something new, something wild and courageous. And Mary had even less reasons to be chosen than most of us. She was a woman, right? In that time, when God would be moving, when people are looking for power and righteousness or anything, it comes through a man. But God came to this little girl, 12, maybe 14, and says, I'm doing something. You have found favor. And so all these things in your life that may be a reason why you don't think you deserve favor, whatever the story is, know that his favor isn't contingent on you. It's not on whether you took on the cost or not. His favor is for you. He wants to see his life take root in you. And this little girl, knowing biology herself, when she responds to the angel, not out of doubt, but out of curiosity, verse 34, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel responds, I am the Lord's servant. Oh, no, sorry, she responds then to the, to the angel. I am the Lord, Lord's servant. May your words be fulfilled. In our stories, in our lives, as we come before God, as we are called into a moment where he wants to call us into life, maybe for ourselves, maybe for others, where he wants to call us into the complexities or the challenges, I think we would learn well to align our hearts to those lines there from a young girl. I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. May God's love move through me. May I be willing to enter into stigma or challenge or chaos for you, Lord. May I surrender whatever it is that I hold in this moment to you. May I be a part of your kingdom breaking in to the world. So for me, it was eight months ago where Katie says, hey, Brad, we actually are going to have a baby. Oh, neat. I have all these plans. Things are, I was going to do a lot of things. Well, you don't get extended time on this. So I started entering into the conversation of what does this look like? And for me, it was like, oh, like I'll, like we had a, if you don't know, we had a, a really hard time with our first uh, delivery experience. Um, first six weeks was like horrible. And so what I know is that I'm there for those first six weeks, whether it's bad or not, I'm there. So then I was like, all right, well, six weeks, and uh, let's say it's the worst. I got two weeks to get back. I'm taking two months off is what I, I landed on. And then in my time of reflecting and praying, I felt God saying, do more. <laughs> no. <laughs> Him and I bartered, and uh, I like to be counted in Scripture as one of the stiff-necked people. Um, and so he got me up to three months off. And I, I've already seen the blessing in, in saying yes. I don't know what he's going to do in that time, but I know that he wanted to challenge me. Do I trust him with you guys? 
Because I think you guys could limp along for two months without me. I'm, I'm holding it all together. It's like the story you start believing, right? Three months, oh, that's a stretch. But no, it's God's kingdom. It's God's church. You are God's children. He loves you more than I do. Why would I believe that I am the one that holds this together? And so God is already working on that narrative. And it's many church planters and church pastors think that they are the everything that holds everything together. And I don't want that to be the truth that I believe. And so that's extra month on top of what God, like I knew I needed, was a moment where I got to say, all right, God, I trust you with this. It's your church. If Kyle Best, who is the best person for the job by name, uh, ruins it in three months, I could have done it in two. Right? He's going to do a great job. It's an opportunity to live out his kingdom, allowing God to use a younger guy than me. I know I'm pretty young, but a younger guy than me to have an opportunity to bless and invest in your lives. For us as a community to get to give him feedback and celebrate and allow him to continue to flourish in his call. And so I'm thrilled with that. This last month where I was like, oh, I'm going to get everything perfect, get it in a spot, and get it ready to hand off to all the teams and the people you guys know the email chain. It has not been that. It's been complicated and messy and not at all what I planned. But even in this time, we've seen time and time again leaders, people with gifts, talents, passions, people owning things. We have Joey came in last week trying to fix the tech stuff that just so badly needed to be solved. We have people stepping up in a way that I think honestly wouldn't happen if I just kept going. Because when things float, they float. But in this time, we know that there's a challenge coming. And the answer is a blessing. The answer is our community is the answer to our community's problems, not me. I'm part of the problems. I'm part of the solution. I get it. But in this awkwardness of allowing God to have his way in my life, I think is one a blessing for me, where whatever God does in these next few months, I hope I come back different. Maybe not radically different, because I still like myself, but growing trusting. I hope that when I come back, there's things that are different here in your guys' lives that you heard or shaped or this opportunity, the, the chaos that was created gave you a chance to say yes to whatever God is doing. As we cut out, as we create space, we get to see God move. And much of our lives, when we hold on so tightly, is preventing God from doing what he wants to do. When we hold it so tightly that we won't let it move, we won't let it shape, it's like, God, I don't want this to be different. And I'm so encouraged to know that God loves you guys. That he is for you. That his messages from Kyle will be landing in your lives in different ways than the messages from me. Because God uses the teacher. God uses our stories, our own narratives to land what he wants to land, where he wants to land it. And so for you guys, I want to continue to encourage you in the season to come, you just say yes. In my life, yes. The answer is yes. You call me God, I'm in. Whatever it is. If there's a cost, know that there might be a cost. But remember in, in proper scope that he has paid for so much more. He has done so much greater. And that, as I shared with uh, the reflection on giving, you can't outgive God. He has so much for you, so much with us, and his entire heart in all of this, is that his kingdom comes, that his presence be known, and that you be loved. So allow me to pray over our, our next few months, but also over the week for you. Heavenly Father, come. 
Heavenly Father, help us come. Lord, in this time and in this space, whether it's this week as we look at all that is before us, may we see you. May we hear you. May we respond to your invitation. May we sit before you. May we listen. May we say, all is yours. Help us. May it be so, Father. Lord, I pray a blessing over these next few months in this community, Lord. I pray that my faithful yes to you after much bargaining, Lord, is a blessing to this community. Lord, I pray that you raise up new things. Lord, that you stabilize the broken, that you move alongside the hurting. Lord, that you are with every brother and every sister, that you are with every mother and father. You are with every child, with every friend. Lord, that your heart be known in this church. And Lord, for those that are outside the church today, the people that look in that have heard stories, Lord, we pray that the way we move lets them know that your favor is available, Lord, that you want them to be known, to be cared, and to be loved. Let us continue to look on you, Lord. Let us continue to reflect on your goodness as we move closer and closer to the first Noel, the night that you entered into creation, when you moved into our neighborhood and changed everything. Bless us with your presence, Lord. May we come to see that you are good, that you are peaceful, and that you are love. We pray this in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.